Let's explore the unexpected possibilities of life by unfolding the human design in all kinds of interesting characters. What might we see as we peer through an awareness lens to look into real people's different realities? I'm your host, Sin, a 1-3 mental projector. Since this is my first episode, I really want my listeners to get to know me. And that's why I brought a very close friend to have a conversation and explore some topics with me. And I couldn't think of anything more cozy than to bring my sweet friend, Mar, who, by the way, is also a mental projector, and they have an innate talent to guide the flow of energy and ask brilliant questions. So, Mar, would you like to introduce uh, yourself? Hey. Yes, thank you. And thank you for the beautiful invitation to come onto your podcast. And um, my name is Maud. I'm a 2-4 mental projector on the right angle cross of explanation. And another important thing to mention is that I'm non-binary. So my pronouns are they and them. I was looking to expand my soundboarding crew. I was in that dilemma as a mental projector that I didn't have too many trusted people I could soundboard with. And if you know anything about human design, it's an it's a crucial ingredient for a mental projector soundboarding. And I can't soundboard with just anyone. So my then um, human design mentor gave me a couple of people where um, he thought they might be a good fit. And I felt an innate inclination towards Mar, and I reached out, and that's how we got in touch. And ever since, a very beautiful and deep friendship has developed. Yeah. And I mean, it was a very important part of your life, right? Because you really were standing in front of a very big decision. My goodness, I'm blacking out now. And do you know why? Because I had so many major life events in a very short of time, short amount of time. <laughs> and I'm a third line body. So I bump into all sorts of adventures. So well, I do like to take things in a like kind of from the beginning thing. So maybe we could start somewhere else. And <laughs> a lot of people experience Saturn return as a very big shift in their life I'm in my Saturn return right now and I can imagine <laughs> just how it is to be on the other side of that and I'm just curious to hear a little bit about what was going on in your life in your Saturn shift and what was your cycle cross and profile and so it was definitely a wild time it is a pretty long while ago, I'm 47 now, and the Saturn uh, return happened somewhere between, I would say, 28 and 30. Yeah. Mm. So the highlights were that at the age of 26, I moved out of my hometown. I was the first family, uh, first person in the family ever who ever moved into a foreign country, and I moved to Spain. And was uh, that was quite adventurous. Wow. <laughs> I went there, I mean, 26, quite naive, quite greenish behind my ears. And yet, yet an old soul. It was kind of a weird combination. But I, yeah, in some way, when I look back, some, some things really seem naive. And I would do them now. One of them is I just took my car. I did have a fixed job offer. So I, I did, I just needed to get there and sign the contract. But I took my car, I took my money, I took some belongings, and I said to my landlord, which at that time was my brother, I'll be back. I don't know when. And I just went off with my car. I mean, I look at this now and say, oh, my goodness. And then within one month, so much happened. In a nutshell, I met 
the the partner I also who's also the father of um, our son. I changed jobs. I changed my living situation within Spain. So much happened within one month. And after that one month, I was very clear in my decision. I didn't know about human design then, but I felt mm -hmm. so clear in my decision. I'm gonna live permanently in Spain. It just, yes, it's a big yes. And I went back with my car to clean up everything in my former home and say to my brother, I'm gone now. I'm off. Wow. And I went off and I did a home sale, like selling my washing machine and selling my dishwasher and everything. I invited all of my friends and I made quite some money in cash with that sale before I left. So we're talking mid four figures. And I had all of that in cash. And when I went back to Spain, I got robbed. No. As if no. someone was smelling it and all the money was gone. And that is like oh. a, a typical third line experience, like bumping into shit. Unexpected. <laughs> you are on the cross of the <laughs> unexpected for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. And you know what I learned? I learned so much about the car driving behavior in Spain, there are specific different rules I didn't know as a foreigner. I know now. Mm. Um, it would be too detailed to explain all of that, but I, yeah. uh, for from every third line experience, I can literally watch how wisdom drops in over time from that learning. It's really mm -hmm. fascinating, and it's it's pretty much there because some person at some point. I'm going to meet on my life journey is going to need that specific information kind of been there, done that doesn't work. Let me tell you why. Yeah. I mean, I know from being your friend that you have an excellence expertise in this field. <laughs> oh my goodness. Every time we talk, I, I learn something there is some wisdom, there is some insight, there is some some shift in through what we are talking about and what you're sharing about that that's really life-changing. I mean, the Saturn return, as you were asking about, is in general a very bumpy time. A lot of things shift. You're kind of growing up, yeah. <laughs> right? You know that from living it right now or being very close. And Uh, another major event was with 28, I became a mother. Oh. And that was obviously, that is a very significant time in your life. But what was special about that, uh, Spain and the area we lived was pretty traditional. So we had a traditional friendship circle and we had an international friendship circle. And I we decided that we're going to have a home birth. Well, I was giving birth, so I'm gonna have a home birth. But we decided that together, and then we had a uh, a couple as midwives. So everything was really kind of individual. But as I said, I didn't know that I'm a person who has only individual channel definition. I didn't know that by then, mm -hmm. and that I'm here to bring mutations. So, but intuitively, I already went that path. So everyone thought, I'm stupid. I'm reckless mm -hmm. because of having a home birth in the countryside. They saw that I was so irresponsible and I got a lot of backlash from, mm -hmm. you know, but my son has been born happy and healthy and we never regretted that decision. And that was really around the time of the Saturn return. Yeah. Beautiful. So... Saturn happens, it brings a new life into this Maya, it brings a lot of maturing, experience, movement. Would you say that your life was kind of chill until you ended up in Uranus opposition or <laughs> did there have there been quite a few unexpected things on the <laughs> 
<laughs> on the what? On the road? Are you kidding? Is that a serious question? My <laughs> no, it's not a serious question. At all. My life was never chill. Oh, never. <laughs> I mean, just for a little context, my mother died when I was five. And then a stepmother came into my life, which living with her was not nice to say it in a diplomatic way. And there were a lot of learning experiences. So my life has never been chill. I think I have not chosen that when the roles have been distributed. I have not chosen chill. Mm. And I'm fine with that. It's not that I'm, oh, no, because... I can choose any time to slow down. I actually prefer a slow lifestyle and a pace and a rhythm. And that brings my chill. And I have a body that thrives in being receptive and being laid back and observing, right? So I have chill in that, but it's not that my trajectory has been chill. I am a little curious though, because... When we started to get to know each other, you were living in Germany and not Spain. How did you move? What happened? <laughs> I still have all my legal affairs in Germany, though. Right now, in terms of life cycles, I'm a little closer to the Chiron return. It's pretty close. And I felt that strong when my son moved out of our home base this year, I felt that has been the moment I have been preparing for all this, all those years because I didn't feel home in Germany, kind of home home. And I'm exploring right now by traveling through different areas of Spain I haven't explored yet if I want to move to Spain again. So I'm on an exploration, adventure, finding my new home and environment trip. Going a bit backwards in time, I'm still also very curious about, like, you've been on your human design journey for a while. Like, this podcast is also, you know, gonna have human design as a part of it. But I am a bit curious, like, how did your journey start? When did human design come into your life and what was going on for you at that time? It's good that you mention it. The title of this podcast is Unfolding Human Design. And I'm really curious about how does it play out in your real life? I'm not so much the person who's interested in making episodes. The, those are the centers and this is the circuitry. I'm interested in, in the deeper parts, like what is your real life experience? with human design. And I get that you're asking me this now. So in 2014, a woman was a friend back then. He, uh, she, she said, just kind of very bluntly in a conversation, I really think you are a projector. The kind of difficulties you are encountering and the way you show up, you must be a projector. She's a projector as well. Mm. And she knew a little bit about human design. And I said to her, can you share a little bit what you mean? What is that? What is human design? What's a projector? She gave me a little info, but she really pointed me towards some specific resources on the internet. And as you can imagine, first line, I dove deep. I went into the YouTube rabbit hole and mm. I kind of, I kind of never got back up. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I've gone different tunnels mm -hmm. in that wormhole, yeah. but it's not that I've seen the surface ever again. Yeah, that's impressive. I think that that's very relatable. Like, I'm also in there with you <laughs> digging. Um, I mean, it, it went from digging to studying and again, I made many experiments on my, I mean, it's um, so many years since, it doesn't matter how many years, but it's many years since since then. And there were a lot of third line experiences as well. So for example, mm -hmm. the information I found at that time, it was basically what we would um, call right now Pop HD, a little bit more a lighter digestible version. Also not 
very accurate, but I really dig that in the moment I went there only to find out after a while, no, this is not tasty. There's mm. something I was feeling. I was running like after the carrot. It had the feeling when I was mm. uh, learning about that in that way. It was just not meeting my learning style, I guess. And my learning style includes a lot of depth. I like very much foundational aspects. I like original information. So it then evolved over the years. And then I was pretty clear from the beginning, I don't want to become an analyst. That's not my route. But I did study foundational courses with the Human Design Collective. I'm doing self-study till this day. That is what nurtures me. And then I combine it with occasional professional mentoring. But part of my first line journey has been not to be so eager for certificates mm -hmm. because I have been a certificate hunter and I got very clear, I'm not going to do that with human design. It is way more important what I learn and that I put it into practice and what I see with my life. And guess what? I'm at the point now where people come to me and all they want actually is my experiential wisdom. They don't give a shit about what I've studied, but they want the distilled, like the neat motivated version of what can I learn from you? In which direction can you orient me? So does that make sense? <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. And I would say that meeting with a 1-3 projector, like a mental projector who's had like a chance to really experiment and test and study and really like you know pick up human design look at it like throw it around like test this test that like go into the experience like full on and i mean the amount of experience that comes with with this process over the years like it's is quite unique Yeah, I mean, I've experienced this firsthand and I mean, it's it's wonderful and I am so happy that somebody <laughs> could recognize you, like a projector recognized you as a fellow projector in the past and was like, yo. You know what? What has been so crucial? I mean, we are not related anymore. We That's just life, right? Yeah. But to this person, I will be forever grateful because... It was at a time where I was approaching my first burnout. Well, my my first and only, I'm saying that as if I had three, but it was a it, it was a prominent one. So it gave me a lot of hope that there is nothing wrong with me because I would still say my main breakthrough moment was with human design or the truth I could see is what does it really mean? to live as a projector, as an awareness, a non-energy type in a world of energy types or sacral beings. And to find my lane to really understand what does it mean without going into shame or blame or victimhood. Just, I was so grateful for, oh, that's why. Oh, now it makes sense. I did enter into burnout anyways, because there have mm. been years of sacral abuse and overload out of not knowing and mm. out of living like a manifesting generator on, on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, yeah. that's all part of the experience. And I'm grateful for that. It was really learning about what does it mean to live as a projector that brought ease, direction, and orientation to my life back then. That's so beautiful. Another thing that comes up when you're sharing about your experiences is your Uranus opposition. And <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> as I've understood, it's been a little bit about confrontation. Do you want oh, to no, not a little bit, <laughs> like, go on. I'm just being modest. <laughs> You're just so humble. <laughs> Now, to tell it like it is, 
that's one of the cosmic jokes that often happens when you see at when you look at your life cycles in, in human design and those profiles and life crosses are like a layover like they give a different flavor and texture it's not that your original incarnation cross fades away it always stays there but it gives a different texture and when you think I have a one three profile, that's how I'm meant to navigate the world, like digging deep. And every now and then the third line comes like a jackhammer and is drilling in that first line foundation, mm. but really investigative and very self-absorbed, infused in my own process, a very personal inclination cross. And then it moves towards Uranus opposition and both Uranus opposition and Chiron are 6-2 profiles. Mm. So it's not personal anymore. It's like we're having now the book ends of a process. The 1-3 mm. foundation beginning and the 6-2 seeing things from beyond the role model. And I feel like I can cater now to the whole process and, and hold the two bookends, which is really beautiful. Mm. But Nailing in on the right angle cross of confrontation, which I was gifted with in my Uranus opposition, which is now, yeah, I feel it's done. It feels like the theme has been learned. It's fading out. And that was wild. Boy, what a trip. Because you have to know, I have an open, a fully open solar plexus, emotional centrum, uh, center. So that means... I have not been the smartest person to model truth and confrontation. I was more so shying away in my former life. I have been really been a people pleaser. I was just trying to do everything to keep things harmonious. That was my survival skill, right? Uh, from my childhood experiences. So I was alternating between the rebel, like this individuality and bringing mutation and the people pleaser. And when I came to my Uranus opposition, I suddenly felt in my body, oops, that doesn't work anymore. It was like my body was not supporting that behavior anymore. And I needed to learn the hard way how to confront in an emotionally mature way and to lose my fear, I mean, I don't actually remember what the fear was. Maybe the fear of rejection. I don't know. But confrontation now is has turned into such a sweet and necessary and valid ingredient in my life. I wouldn't want to miss it. And you know what I've learned? I think I was so afraid of confrontation because first, I didn't have great role models and confrontation. Everything was shoved under the rack in our family. And second, when I saw people confronting, it was harsh, loud, and unfair. Mm. And I didn't identify with that. So I didn't really know how to do it properly. And I've come to my very own style. And the other day, a person I had a confrontation with, she said, you know what I really like about it? It was so gentle and yet sharp mm. to the point. And that's what I learned. A confrontation doesn't need to bulldoze the other person. It doesn't come from a place where you need to be right or put your point across. It can be clear and gentle and you can make your point. So in a nutshell, I'm pretty comfortable with confrontations right now. And that's a gift of my Uranus opposition, uh, the cross theme. That's so beautiful. And I mean, who better to get this 6-2, you know, left angle cross of confrontation on top of having a completely open solar plexus? Like what a gift of awareness for that because you know the completely open centers are are really spaces in our designs of like really like a lot of wisdom because there's actually nothing personal in there like it's no no gate no anything like it's it's such a clear blank space and 
I mean, I can imagine that that can be very uncomfortable to amplify a lot of people in this world because a lot of people, I mean, having a defined or an undefined solar plexus can really, like, it can be maybe quite hard to to take in, especially if you don't know that it's not from you. Exactly, yes. I mean, that's a whole journey in itself as a mental projector, and you you know that very well. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have either six or seven open centers below the throat. Mm. And I got, by the way, I got asked the other day, do you think there is a big difference in perception when you, when I, that person was a generator, when I'm having seven open centers as well? And I said, well, if you ask me like that, yes, I do think there is a difference um, that makes the experience for mental projectors just non-comparable to other types. It is because everything below the throat is open. There's yeah. <laughs> there's no motor, no nothing. There's no powerful center. And yeah, so that is really, I lost the thread. Can you ask the question again? I got too passionate <laughs> okay. about that. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to to go a little bit into being a mental projector as well. I think that's a very essential part of our, you know, your life, my life, and you know, what better situation to talk a bit about it? Like, how has it been for you? Like, mental projectors. I mean, big part of our design is like sharing our perspective, sharing our voice, sharing our concepts and uh like how's that been for you like a lot just last ad like a lot of the time I meet mental projectors who don't really like to talk even like mm -hmm. but then you know after a while it kind of loosens up and our process gets to unfold as well actually like your podcast <laughs> <laughs> um I mean how's your journey been with your voice If you're asking specifically about the voice, I had a rocky journey with my voice. I have not always been that confident in my self-expression, as you can imagine, because basically everything is a journey, right? And when I was in my teenage years, I think it was at the age of 13, I hit something on my vocal cords. I think it was a benign form of precancer cells, so something that needed to get removed And after that procedure got done, my voice, which was kind of normal, so to speak, quote unquote normal, um, shifted to a comic voice. Like, how do you go with that? Very oh. scratchy. Like, Donald, imagine Donald Duck. Imagine Donald oh. Duck. It was not the best age to experience mm -hmm. that because there was a lot of bullying for my voice and or what do you say, for my voice, about my voice, mm -hmm. with my voice. <laughs> But it was really, the the peers were making so much fun. So over time, I would say the age frame between 13 and 20 has been very rough when it comes to expression because there was a point where I didn't have any more confidence in speaking. Because even when I entered into, I don't know, a bakery and I said, can I have this bread, please? People were turning their heads. So no matter when I opened the mouse, people were watching and it was highly uncomfortable for me as an observer style person. I don't like to be watched all the time. Right. But and also I was in the way of finding my way and my identity in those tender years. So it was really rough. And there was not so much support from the family system. So I navigated that pretty much on my own, making all sorts of mental conclusions about what is wrong with me. That's also very typical for a mental projector to turn the mind against ourselves just because we don't know what a powerful machine we have hmm. with our Ajna and how to use it. Right, that it's really for the other, that it's really here once it's clean to give outer authority for the other when recognized and invited to give it. 
But I was thinking for the longest time, I can use my mind for myself. I think that's no surprise to any mental projector. I don't know. At some point, it shifted. I somehow, life has put some very beautiful people on my path who were recognizing the power in my voice and who were through singing. I love to sing. I always loved singing who were encouraging me to start singing again, who were encouraging me to take speaking training. So little by little, from the age of 20, I build up my confidence. And I'm sharing this because it is really such an important... I mean, I have a defined throat. It might be a different experience for an undefined throat. I can't speak to that. But for me, expressing through my voice is just like... It's my life elixir. It's not only coming to clarity in my decision-making process, but it is really where I can share everything. And at that time, it would have been unthinkable to make a podcast. And now it's just like, yeah, it feels so good and ripe and correct. And I have gotten enough invitations to use my voice in that way. But I just wanted to point out to anyone who might be struggling with their self-expression. Just be gentle on yourself. Yeah. I think that one of the things that I was so impressed with when we started uh, talking uh, in the beginning was the frequency of your voice. I was like, wow, who is this person? (laughs) I, I, I mean, as an individual myself, like I, I really have like a very high resonance when I listen like I I can really feel like if somebody is for me or not or you know it's it's really important for me with the sound and I mean for sure for you as well right because we we actually do share the same channel but yeah the freak channel of structuring 4323 oh yeah do you want to share a bit about your experience having that channel? Oh my goodness. I'm just thinking about <laughs> my my mind is still hanging on on the last question. There is literally so much I could share about the journey of being what it means like to understand more what it is to be a mental projector, but I think it would even suit more to have its own platform like to that would be maybe a solo episode. It took me quite a while to understand that channel. Also, I have not always been as patient as I'm right now and as grounded. And this channel is a lot about timing. So the timing when to speak, because what I needed to learn specifically with that channel and as a projector in itself, only because I see things that other people might not be able to see doesn't mean that I can run around and blast it out with a megaphone. Mm-hmm. So I needed to learn the hard way by people becoming really turned off by my expression, yep. by what I was saying that, oh, I, you should revise that. And that's when I, that was luckily at a point where I was already confident in my self-expression. If not, I would have made it all about myself. But Mm -hmm. I knew, no, 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 there's something in your design that you're not understanding, Simone. (laughs) So I really started digging to learn about that channel. And speaking of today, I love it because it has an efficiency. It feels like in my Ajna, there's a computer selecting things to the left, to the right, and this and there, and organizing and structuring. And wherever I go, I just see what's the most efficient way. And I can provide so much ease and clarity through having that clarity in myself. And it comes also from the channel. But also, this channel, and not everyone knows that, is so irritated. It gets so irritated when people are marginalized, when there is exclusion, when there is little diversity. And on the other hand, it thrives when it can empower diversity empower uniqueness, empower creative self-expression in others, right? But Mm. I could go on and on. What I would like to invite your perspective into it, because I know you also know a great deal 
about <laughs> our channel. Would you like to speak to it? I think it's such a fascinating channel to have as the only one, you know, like <laughs> it gets like extra intense, uh, intensified. And I think that a lot of the time people with this channel walk around and it don't get it, you know, because one day you talk to somebody and you're a genius. The other day you get rejected and it's like, what's going on? Like, I just said something that I felt was genius both times. <laughs> you know, it's like, what's, what's this? And I have started to get to notice and get to know like very intimately the moments where I know that I shouldn't, I shouldn't share this thing right now versus the moments where I'm like, that's the right timing, you know, because after a while you can really feel it. Like if somebody's ready and it's obviously because it's all about mutation. Mutation isn't meant to happen every single day, all of the time, 24 seven. Like it is, it is something that has like very specific timings as you were talking about. And when the timing is right, it is the perfect moment. It is the perfect moment and it just makes sense. And it's just the most needed change or the most efficient idea in the world. Like it is so fascinating and it brings in this like recognition and invitation point, right? Because people have to be ready for something new. Like they cannot, if they're not willing to change, if there's no wiggle room, there's no openness, there's no like, nobody's wondering how to do this more efficiently, you know, <laughs> like nobody's going to want to listen to that. Like, and it just, it's like, you know, in, in my first reading, the, the analyst told me like, don't throw these diamonds at people, like just hold them and wait for people to ask. And then maybe if you want to, you can give one <laughs> and they might come for more, but you know, it's okay. Yeah. I also have really 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 felt the diversity aspect of it like I've always I've always needed to be in diverse environments I've always needed to be surrounded by people who are a bit weird like I I have the channel in my both my notes and my sun earth so it's just a very intense thing <laughs> so I'm you know like I I thrive when I'm a freak inside a freak environment you know oh like, yeah like that it's just so and that brings out so much for me to make sure there is space make sure there is like mutation make sure there is room for more like for the weirdness room for the extra like we cannot just have like a you know, everybody's the same. Everybody does the same. Every, like all these, all these things in society that that's kind of controlling in a way, or like breaking free free from that and making sure that everybody can thrive is such an important part of our channel. I agree with that. And as it's part, I mean, it's part of the knowing circuit, and that is part of the individual. When we look at the bigger circuit groups of the individual circuit group and I mean, the theme is we that channel carries the frequency of empowerment for yes. sure. And you have it is our responsibility to be mindful when we share that. And mutation, when the person is not ready, what I have observed, it comes across as hurtful. Mm -hmm. So, and this channel is not called for no reason the verbal gunslinger. Mm -hmm. It and it can also come across with a know-it-all. So Yep. <laughs> you know, I know. <laughs> I would say people with this channel, if you have it out there, the 4323, or basically, I want to expand that a little bit more to the mental projector, or even, even the projector, master the art of restraint. Yeah. It's not only about the waiting, it is really about the timing. That's something I think every projector needs to learn to lean back, to feel the pain that you know shit and you're not going to be asked. But then eventually 
I just experienced that recently. I got such a matching and beautiful and very, very powerful and nourishing invitation and recognition that was specifically for the life force of my channel. That person does want nothing else from me but the power and the qualities of that channel. So it is well worth waiting and learning the art of restraint. Yeah, that's my five cents on that. I love that you brought up that invitation because I wanted to ask you a bit about like how it felt in your body when you were invited to structure and like to actually express your channel like as a projector invited specifically because somebody in could recognize what you bring to the table yeah so that's also something I didn't know at the beginning I was very confused with compliments and sweet things that were said to me and invitations I thought everything was an invitation <laughs> but now I, yeah, yeah. I, whatever yes <laughs> But now it is really like sweetness in words, um, nice compliments or whatever. I feel that there's a part in my mind that lights up kind of, ooh, mm. nice. Thank you. When there is true recognition and it feels like I can manipulate that part. I, I have access to that part, right? But when a true recognition, recognition comes it feels like I'm knocked out. It feels like my whole body gets more spaciousness. There's nothing I can do about it. It's like literally the recognition enters my body and I have no access to that. You know, it's just expanding within myself and it gives me those warm, fuzzy feelings of this is correct. But it comes like from a deeper grounded place. It has kind of this deep drum beat, whereas the compliment is kind of chatty and light mm. and, you know, that has different frequencies. We have to be aware that true recognition doesn't come all the time around the corner and it's not necessary to chase it, but it's more about expanding your awareness so you can recognize the recognition, how it feels like, right? Mm. That's what I would say. It's really special with uh, with invitations. And I mean, in some way, it, it gives us such a powerful guidance of our direction, right? As, as we do not have defined G-centers as mental projectors, there is so much openness. It's easy to like get you know all caught up in the energy world and you know like I know for sure oh, yeah. that in my life there are moments where I'm like okay I'm just gonna get a normal job I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna just do it like <laughs> my mind is so you know that you know so so interesting sometimes to to notice but how does it feel to you, you know, now that you've been in your process, you've been preparing, you've been like as a projector does, uh, you know, studying, looking, you know, as and also with your all your wisdom, like looking back what you've experienced and then stepping up to like really yeah, like with your podcast, with your business, with your everything, like what's really like piquing your interest at the moment in work and like <laughs> what's what's going on? What's going on, girl? <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the main thing that is always going on in my life is the art of surrender, whether that is private or <laughs> business. The art to learn more, to surrender to passenger consciousness, to know that I'm not running this show here called life, even though my mind wants to tell me every single day, especially while being on this trip. I mean, I, I continue working like normal. I just, I'm not fixated to, to a specific place. And I keep noticing how different environments 
bring out different qualities in me, which is very specific for a mental projector of the environment. So I can observe myself to what business opportunities or recognitions I feel drawn or where I think, yeah, cool, thank you, but no. Mm. You know, that is also um, very important. I wanted to say, tracing back to our shared channel, it took me such a long while. I was really battling with my not self, like to openly, publicly, honestly reclaim. I don't know. And you know what? People project onto me often this, oh, she knows so much or she's so grounded and experienced. But the truth is, yes, I do. And many, many times I just don't know. And that's part of the channel. But when the inner knowing comes, it's unapologetic. I just wanted to add that. And what I found out, I mean, I'm, I have my own business for two decades now, for over two decades and the form and expression has changed over the years. But when I trace it back, there were always empowering beauty, uniqueness, creativity, and self-expression in others. Mm. That Those have been the global themes, no matter if I've worked as a translator, as a beauty and wellness therapist, whatever I've done, transformational coaching, heart-centered leadership, Always the empowering, empowerment component has been strong because that's what I actually care about, empowering uniqueness in others. So, but what I found out, and you know that very well, over the last year or so, more specifically, I just felt I can't do those business, online business strategies I've learned and that have worked for me. I can't do them anymore. They are not ethical. I don't want to build a funnel. I don't want to do something so you do that. So I needed to find a new way of doing business and I was really lost with it. And I needed to shed a lot of concepts and from my own foundation, that's what I do with others. I look, where are the cracks in your foundation? Let's tear everything apart what is not, not needed any longer. But doing it within myself, has been terrifying as a first line when the foundation starts to get wonky. Oh boy. Mm. And then suddenly it didn't feel good anymore to have a niche or a target client and all that stuff. And I was kind of very desperate and I was thinking, how am I going to do business as a mental projector? All I want to do, I want to guide people. I'm really, really thriving in intimate one-on-one setting personal retreats, process-based works, one-off sessions occasionally, but that's when I can feature and champion the best and your uniqueness, right? So that was a crucial point in really recognizing, no, I can't do business as I've done business before. And then there was this lost period of being lost and disoriented. And guess what? Clarity came in recently when I was not pushing it any longer. With that recent recognition I've gotten, it fell, I kind of, out of the sudden, I had a breakthrough moment. And I was going back through my client list and anyone I've ever worked with in the capacity of human design empowerment sessions or readings or guidance, they all had either a receptive mind or there were two, three parts left, uh, right, excuse me, <laughs> or quad rights. And mm. I said, damn, I haven't figured this out. Wow. So what is becoming clear to me and where my focus is going right now for, or where my focus is going to be for the next, from the next year on is to offer strategic support for receptive beings. And more precisely, in business context, that's where most people come, but obviously it expands to the personal life. So yeah, that's where my focus is going to go. And obviously enjoying the podcast and uh, interviewing people and learning how does human design unfold in your life? Yeah. Mm. 
that's so beautiful. I mean, as someone who has a receptive, passive brain and a peripheral view, you've been of great uh, strategic support already um, to me. And so I am looking forward to recommend this towards uh, <laughs> other people out there who would need that type of support, you know, because we do live in a, a strategic world. And what I think is so beautiful as somebody who is human design informed and a professional, you know, in, in your field and with your expertise and your two decades with business and all of that stuff, you have so many different strategies to suggest and then the person can feel like what feels genuine for me, like what is correct for me. And then you're right there with them, empowering their authority in their business through these different techniques that they might have not even thought about, but that it can be super genuine and strategic and not some kind of marketing every, you know, one size fits all, just do this and you'll be rich <laughs> stuff, you know, but no. actually creating like co-creating really beautiful and successful businesses as you are a projector interested in other people's success and in uncovering their authority and being able to as a mental projector feel into the frequency of the being on the other side and like really see them and it, yes and I want to add what has become very obvious to me is I want to empower right beings because I've heard so many heart-wrenching stories where receptive beings have been forced into strategic conditioning. Yeah. Well, where the strategic conditioning has been forced upon them, that sounds better. And I really feel passionate about showing those people how much is inside of them by pulling by asking mm. the really good and relevant questions, by giving them a lot of space. And my aura and my energetic field helps with that and all of that openness yes. so that I can really take a seat and feel, okay, let's go. Now let's see what's inside of you. And at the end of the day, the information that comes out in those guidance sessions is from the receptive person. And then I got to structure it and refine yes. it and put it into a form and they are so happy because it's not me forcing anything upon them you should do this or that no, I'm not interested in that I'm interested mm -hmm. in pulling out the genuine wisdom and the gold from their receptive depth and then structure it for them because that's often something they are just not meant to do that's not their trip, right? So, and that is such a joy for me. And that is so easy that it's really a fruitful success for both parties. That's where a huge part of my focus is going to go in 2024. This was a 6-2 Studio production. Find us at six-two. Studio for all your creative sound needs.